ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Justified. I'm David Colford, and as always, joined by our favorite plunge father, Riley Trudell. Hey, What's going on, buddy? Doing good. Dude, that's what I like to hear. special guest with us today. Very special guest. The, the most important guest oh, yeah. in our five, six episode <laughs> history here. Uh, today, we are joined by the legend himself. You might know him as the god of ponies and the man who changed the world one boot at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Vermin Supreme. Vermin, how you doing, man? Hey, kids, how are you? It's me, Vermin Supreme from, from the internet. Woo! You're a meme lord now. Very fine. Uh, well, th- th- thank you. Uh, I am I am a meme, that's for sure. I don't know if I'm uh, the lord of all the memes, but I'm, I can certainly agree that um, I am content. Uh, my likeness and image uh, have been repurposed uh, to uh, any number of ends, Um and that, that's a very curious place to be, being a living uh, human meme. Uh, I am thankful uh, that I am a meme based on uh, doing something uh, reasonably positive and happy and fun because, you know, some memes get memes for, for being real dicks or, or kicking it. Hey, you're that guy that kicked the dog, you fucker. Um, <laughs> there's a funny meme. But you're an asshole, yeah. um, and, of course, there's many different type of memes. You know, there's the non-human variety. There, you know, there's your grumpy cats and keyboard cats and doges and and, and all that. And, and then, of course, there's the, the human memes uh, that are not really – memes because they're them or anything that they've done it is from some archival photograph or something that that became uh repurposed uh bad luck brian or clean over the clean girlfriend or, yeah. or any of the scumbag steve for example i mean those are not really <laughs> representations of uh, what those people actually represent i mean it, ultimately it's, it's the very and of course there's cartoon memes and, and they're not real at all so so the, but there's a very specific and and uh, smaller subset of people who have become memes uh, for doing things as themselves, uh, Antoine Dotson, uh, the the, the, uh, uh, the lock up your your kids, or Sweet Honey Brown, ain't nobody got time for this, or um, you know Jimmy McMillan, the rent is too damn high, and uh, you know my, myself is included in the, in the specific subset of humans who have became memes for doing specific things now of course uh, the moment that i became a meme because uh, i've been running a, a satirical facetious uh campaign for something or other since 87 i've been I mean, you know, running uh in the new uh, in new hampshire during the primary since 92 and so i i had like a, a good solid uh run of about 20 years uh not you know being a pre-meme i guess and right. it was in, in 2012 um, up in the New, New Hampshire primary at St. Anselm's College uh, during the lesser known candidates debate um, that I was uh, allowed into. Any, any, any candidate who paid the thousand bucks to get on the ballot up in New Hampshire and was not included in a major debate is eligible to participate in the lesser known candidates debate. Okay. And uh, so I, w- I took advantage of that. Now, yeah. interesting, interesting, uh, fun sub fact is that I was eligible in 2008. 2008 was the first time I, I put my $1,000 down up in New Hampshire to get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. That allowed me to, to be in that debate. Um, and I was going up there. Uh, it was in 2008. I was just off, uh, finished making this movie, Vote Jesus, uh, that I wrote and, and was starred in as a right-wing fundamentalist, uh, anti-sodomite presidential candidate named Ken Stevenson. And so my, my beard was, was much shorter. It was cropped. 
Uh, the boot I was wearing at the time was a, a galosha, so so it was shorter. A lesser uh, boot. A lesser boot. And I didn't really have a, 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 a plan in that I did not have uh, scripted material to present. Um, you know, I didn't have the skit that I eventually came up with or pushed forward. And so I was going up there simply to say, well, yeah, I'm vermin supreme. I wear boot on my head. And, you know, I, I, we, I do this for attention. And, you know, I was just going to go for the full on, uh, deconstruction of what I had been doing and right, make, right. you know, and explain that. However, on the way up to that debate, there was a blizzard, big snowstorm. Oh. And me and my wife had to pull over and we never made it. And now that was a blessing, an actual blessing in disguise, because the difference between the, the four intervening years between 08 and 12 were the following. My beard grew out into a very wizard-like look. In those in that time period, Lord of the Rings movies came out, mm -hmm. Harry Potter movies came out. And so the meme of the wizard with the big bushy beard came into play. So that was one thing. In 2008, it was uh, Obama fresh and new. Everybody was excited. He could do no wrong. Um, in 08, uh, and in 12, it was like, oh, geez, Obama. You know, everybody, everybody, <laughs> the shine was off. So, so there was that. Um, the, the migration from real world into the digital world, especially the media transition, became complete. In 08, it wasn't there. In 08, yes, there was internet culture, but it wasn't totally ubiquitous. In the in the by 2012, it was everywhere. It was like the way it had, had always been in everybody's mind. Um, and so, so these were things that really made the 2012 thing happen. 2012 was also amazing because Randall Terry, this, uh, who was a, a an activist, uh, an anti-abortion activist, who, who's used like lot living, lot, you know, live dead fetuses in his in his work. He he uh, was the uh, founder of Operation Rescue, uh, who did massive civil disobedience uh, against abortion clinics in, uh, uh, yeah, I think in the in the last century, and uh, and a, a vicious uh, homophobe. Uh, he disowned his own gay son, and uh, quite oh, a piece of work. Yeah. And uh, he decided to run as a Democrat uh, in order to screw with Obama and uh, and try and air his graphic uh, mangled fetus uh, commercials during the, the Super Bowl. You know, everybody has a reason for running for president that that was his. Uh, but he decided to do so as a Democrat, uh, just as more of a as a stunt, I guess. Uh, right, right. And um, and so he was in the lesser known candidate debate. And as luck would have it, uh, his last name is one letter away from mine. So we got to sit uh, next to one another. And I realized that I wanted to do something very special for him. And um, so I, I put this plan into motion. And, of course, in that intervening years, I realized the importance of this uh, this uh, media exposure, this C-SPAN event. And so I took the mandatory toothbrushing law. Which yeah, was yeah. material that I'd been working with for for a number of years. You know, I, uh, you know, I made initial references to a mandatory toothbrushing like as early as '87. I started fleshing it out and uh, you know spinning it off into a, its dystopian nightmare elements of the secret <laughs> dental police and the reeducation <laughs> camps and all that good stuff. Right, and right, it right. was you know that was a pamphlet uh, that I was handed out in '96 at the Chicago convention, and so I had this material in stock, but I had never really committed it to a full-on memory where I could recite it and, and make that impact. Right. So right. I took my time to do that. Um, you know, I, I 
fleshed out the pony thing and all of these things. And so in 2012, uh, during the debate, you know, I had the, the opener was the mandatory toothbrushing law, my stump speech, vermin supreme, friendly fascist, time we can trust, which it would, I had once again, a stump speech I've been using forever. Yeah. Um, but but it, it it had such incredible impact because the obviously the contrast uh, between you know guys in suits and a guy with a boot is very pronounced and uh, uh, you know it's part of the magic of the boot you know uh, the, I mean this, the boot is indeed magical it has uh, enabled me to uh, amplify my free speech First Amendment voice exponentially it's allowed me to communicate with millions of people around the planet and, and interface interface with media across the, the flat earth um, and of course you know it uh, it has this quality about it and it's a signifier and it lets people know that what they are going to be receiving may not be linear sometimes right, right. I will tell uh, you know I have the, the, my throwaway lines um, you know to the general media is, you know what's the boot about it stands for all it is great in America the ability to wear a boot on your head if you so damn please or I'll tell the media the boot is a pile of shit and the media are the flies that buzz around it um, like and the, the nicest thing for me about it is straight up. You take my picture, uh, you, any place, anywhere, any crowd, any situation, and you show that picture to a kid and you say, hey, kid, what's wrong with this picture? And they're going to say, that guy has a boot on his head. And uh, so it's, it's a simple and elegant yet very effective tool uh, that uh, I, I stumbled across. And it's, it's one of these, just another building block upon this particular skill set that I have innocently and deviously developed by accident uh, that has had incredible impact that has propelled me just from some uh, freak on the street. And of course, uh, when I was younger, it was uh, very dismissible because I was like, uh, look at that young, crazy hippie. You know, right. my beard was red and it's just like he's a crazy <laughs> homeless maniac. But, you know, uh, it's because when it when it became gray and when I became the elder wingnut of uh, elder statesman of wingnuts, um, it became this whole other thing. I mean, because I also have gravitas, you know, it's like I'm very presidential. You know, I, I like to strike that, Get that pose for that pose. And um, it's a very imposing pose. And uh, and the, the humor aspect, the you know, the fact that I come at it with this, because, as you know, up in New Hampshire, uh, part of my uh, bit is approaching the other candidates, the legitimate, the legitimate uh, yeah. big spending candidates. Yep. And um, of course, uh, I realized that if I was not uh, using this absurdist uh, imagery and the, the, the full on crazy talk, um, it would be extremely aggressive. It would be extreme. I mean, if I came at them at, at this level of intensity, right? Without the the wackiness, it would be pr it would be scary. Yeah, it, like if, if either of us went up to Ted Cruz and was like just screamed at him, yeah, it'd be someone yeah. like, "What's going on?" There? But, and the security yeah. would get gets real. The, yeah. His handlers get really in intense, and he gets worked up and. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit of a, a test one time uh, where I attended a John McCain breakfast in Boston uh, without Ooh. the boot and suit and looked at a little college professory. And yeah, I asked yeah. him, I asked him a pretty loaded question about Big Mountain and 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 why is the then the you know when I mentioned genocide, which was of course a little over the top, touchy uh, 
loaded phrase, uh, but he reacted very badly and, and came at me pretty hard. Really? But up in New Hampshire, when I had the boot on and approached yep. him and asked him about time travel or, you know, who is it? was it true that Carl Rove was responsible for the destruction of the old man of the mountain? He totally played along, he totally played along. And we got some, you know, there, there's some great video of that. If you type in uh, Vermin Supreme, John McCain, Old Man of the Mountain, that pops right up. See, I saw you go up to Ted Cruz. Yes. I mean, look on Ted Cruz's face. He's like, he's like what are you doing here? Get, like, get away from me kind of thing. A little bit. But, I mean, at this point, um, I'm such a fixture up there. I, I believe that a lot of the candidates... Uh, are expecting me and some may be even prepped. I'm not sure. Cause when I ran into Carly Fiorini up there, uh, uh, the last cycle, um, you know, I, I headed her off, uh, you know, cause that, that's, you know, part of the strategy. They're walking one way. It's like, mm, I'm going to immediately, you know, inter- like a bright white shark. They see the boot coming in a sea of people. And I go, oh, no, it's still oh, yeah, And, but when I, I caught up to there, yeah, I, Intercepted her, I say, Hi, I'm Vermin Supreme. And, and she said, Oh, Vermin, I know who you are. <laughs> and then she says, Mitt Romney was wondering if I was going, when you know, I was going to run into you. It's like, Okay. And, uh, and then a little while while she was giving her presentation, it's like, Well, well, Carly, what about the ponies? And she just like, Oh, Vermin, that's your issue. And she just, you know, totally, totally handled me. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Chris Christie had the great comebacks, and uh, the the Ted Cruz was a really good encounter, uh, even though that got a little aggressive. If you watch the videotape uh, uh, on the exit when he exits, and we're heading to the bus, and I'm still trying to cut him off, and, and you know, I I up the the edge a little bit, right? And um, one of his staff or handlers or whatever, you know, starts to try and cut me off, and actually touches me. Oh. And that just sets me off on the don't touch me, sir. Or, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be assaulted by you or, you know, it, 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 it gets because oftentimes uh, the, the handlers up there are just not trained enough to uh, know how to deal in that situation uh, and prevent me from accessing the candidate. And uh, especially like Liz Warren's uh, campaign staff this year was very, they were young kids. And they just didn't know the, the rules of engagement, if you will. I mean, yeah. I mean, traditionally, it's like, okay, I show up, and if they don't want me to be seen, they come up with big signs in front of me. Okay, fine. And, th- and then we play this game where I try to g- go around them, and they, they hold up bigger signs or, or whatever. Or, um, you know, there's any number of different scenarios. Uh, but in this one, they were just, like, trying to, you know, strong arm me. Um, you know, they were trying to assert authority, which they did not have over me or anyone for that matter. And, and, uh, it was bad, you know, it's like at, at one point I, I have my hand up like this and, and the, the, this guy whacks my hand and it hits this other staffer. Yeah. And then they start like screaming that, that I've, I've assaulted. And it's like, no, you're all, you're all fucking shit up. And it was, uh, you know, you can watch some of those videos and it's, it's pretty clear, you know, there's, there's jostling going on. Um, in 2012, uh, I, we got, I mean, uh, my staff and myself got uh, assaulted by uh, Rick Santorum's uh, Republican goons, and they, they use real goons. They they often use real heavy hitter goons for security at these events. And um, he was coming out of Jillian's, which was uh, down at the canal there. I, I don't know if it's uh, there anymore, but it was one of those buildings. And um, 
as he was coming out, um, you know, I see him, here's his entourage. I positioned myself and I was making a beeline. I was going to, I was totally intersecting. I was like within six feet of him. I, I had my hand out for a handshake and then all of a sudden all hell yeah. broke loose and his camp, uh, the goon, the GOP goon started attacking, uh, my staff. And, and when we pulled the, the frame by frame, we could see he had taped knuckles and we could no see way. that, you know, he hit, uh, you know, he first he shoved or, or punched uh, my videographer Flux down. And then he punched and hit my uh, Babs, my other uh, photographer down. And you can see when, when we slow mo it down, it's like you can see your head go like this and then go down. And then you see this fist being pulled back. It wasn't a shove, you know, it wasn't a shove. It was a yeah, full no. on hit and um so, and, and then and then i got backed off by a state trooper then i mean i the next thing that happened the next thing i know this tr trooper is like shoving me by the chest and and bad back about you know 20 feet and you you stay here you're safe you stay you stay i don't know it was it was a crazy fracas and if and uh rudy giuliani's like goons uh if you, yeah if you type yeah. in uh Bermuda spring rick centaurum that that's that one's on video um and uh, Giuliani had a run-in with him where you can – we slowed it down, and you could see that he had three uh, political guys who were blocking me. And one – you know, I'm trying to give Rudy a clown nose. I'm like, hey, Rudy, I got a clown nose for you. And this guy just like – he's in front of me, uh, and he starts backing me up with his ass. So I'm being assaulted with this like, you know, like that. And then when you slow it down, you can see one guy slaps my arm up, and the other guy goes under with a, a thumb hook and shoves me back. Um, it's oh, like yeah. one, two, three. It's, yeah. it's choreographed. It's so amazing. Um, <clears throat> but we've had awesome successes, too. I mean, we uh, we uh, in 2012, also, we, we chased away Newt Gingrich from his own event um, because we had so much fun going on there. Uh, that was the tail end of Occupy the Primary. And we essentially surrounded his building front and back. It was a, it was a big campaign event that he was supposed at his camp, his own campaign headquarters, and they they, they yeah. canned it because uh, we were having too much fun. Um, and uh, that's a wonderful thing about yeah. New Hampshire too, is that you know um, you got a lot. We had a lot of activists up there, and we had activists from the Free State uh, Libertarian contingent, and we had the um, you know the leftier leaning Occupy Wall Streeters. But we were uh, going to the same events, harassing the same candidates, perhaps from different perspectives. But at any moment, those two disparate groups, which because it's New Hampshire, they sort of all know each other because they're all politically active and they're all cool with one another. So it's not really right. acrimonious like in some places. Um, it, 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 a Vermin Supreme rally could just bust out. All of a sudden, like, they're all shouting it, boom. And so I, I'm a uniter, not a divider. Yeah, you're most definitely a uniter. I feel like for on a good day. Yeah, I feel like what politicians need to know is you're a force of nature, and um, you know, as a force of nature, we just kind of need to like these politicians need to know that Berman's coming. Like, don't push him away. Just let him come to you. It's like a tornado. Yeah, if they're smart. Yeah, yeah, you can't push away a tornado. Yeah. 
I mean, ultimately, it's up to the staffers. But, you know, a lot of the politicians are, are politic enough to know that it's a, a good, a quick photo op. And uh, it's it's a fun interaction. And, uh, you know, and and now I'm a beloved fixture instead of a, a threatening uh, maniac uh, in terms of perception. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. You know, uh, it, it's become a, a thing over the years up in New Hampshire where before I, I they would tr- really try and keep me out of these events. But uh, now I could like I've gone to the uh, Republican st- uh, state uh, doohickey getting ready for the primary thing. And, and they welcome me uh, in, until a big wig throws me out or something like Lindsey Graham. He had me evicted uh, at one of these things. But uh, but I, what I found is I, I have been blessed and lucky to find this niche, this very small niche of running for president, running for president is cool. I mean, you know, 4,000, you know, you know, I think the last cycle, thousands of people registered with the FEC, but, but you don't have, you know, you that uh, you don't have to do that. And of course, even if you do that, nobody has to vote for you or you don't have to raise money. It's a self-declarative statement. I'm so-and-so I'm running for president and it becomes an indisputable fact. It becomes a reality. If, if, you know, if you say it and if you if you think it, if you believe it. And so that's a beautiful thing about it. And, you know, in the Libertarian Party, essentially, it, it's the sort of same deal. Anybody can say they're a Libertarian running for uh, an office. And so that opened up the, uh, their whole uh, system to me uh, as a, a potential candidate. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you knew the, this past election year, I was uh, seeking the Libertarian Party nomination. Yep. And that was a, a very, very different uh, animal, quite frankly. I mean, you know, I'd been running these 30 years of uh, facetious, uh, satirical, humor-based campaign. Uh, but, and they were all pretend, let's face it. Um, but that gave me the notoriety and the reach and the audience uh, to, to offer legitimately my services as a candidate. And we developed uh, quite a campaign team and a campaign staff of uh, people, uh, mostly from inside the Libertarian Party, but they were from both the left and the right uh, sides of the party uh, because uh, that agreed that, uh, you know, as counterintuitive as it seems, these people and we had, you know, 100 uh, people, uh, volunteers at at various points and ended up with uh, 20 percent of the delegates in the final ballot. Um, people that believed that legitimately putting up batshit vermin supreme crazy candidacy was indeed a realistic and a desirable uh, strategy to propel the party forward and break through the duopoly and potentially get the five percent and uh, and bring in new voters and start this youth movement. So it you know people saw this vision and it was like. Yeah, that could totally happen. And, you know, I spent the year going to all these uh, state uh, uh, conventions, just essentially trying to tell the people and convince, you know, just get them to agree. Well, I wasn't convincing them. I just wanted them to agree with the basic premise that out of the, all the candidates, that I was the most likely to get 5%, um, the most likely to bring in a ton of new uh, uh, members, and and spread the word of the libertarian party far far and wide and and they all said yeah that it's it's not inconceivable that's the only thing i was trying to get them agree with it's not inconceivable that i could be used in this way and uh we we just had a a amazing success we built an amazing team uh 
You know, I mean, I, I come from, you know, a left anarchist perspective. You know, I cut my teeth on, on Kropotkin and it took me a long time to come around to um, being able to work uh, with the, the Libertarian Party uh, and, and feel totally good about it. I mean, uh, you know, I used to badmouth the Libertarians. There's a lot of negative stereotypes and tropes um, that I had to work through and over uh, before I could I could work. And, you know, a lot of those were, uh, you know, the perception, oh, there, there's no compassion, there's no love, there, it's, it's all greed, uh, and uh, all of these things. But, you know, over the years, working with the, uh, you know, people of the Free State Project and, uh, you know, just getting to know the, them and, 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 and see these communities in action and understand some of the, the, the actual uh, mutual aid type of projects, uh, because, you know, that, that was the thing that I always had a, a fear about, you know, it's an anarchist, it's like, oh, mutual aid, very, very important to me. And I was always concerned because I knew that in the libertarians are more about, or uh, about charity. The perception is, you know, it, 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 charity will take care of it. Whereas, I, uh, you know, I believe that mutual aid will take care of it. And I was always a little bit afraid to uh, try and explain how I felt mutual aid was superior because I was afraid uh, that the libertarians might co-opt the phrase and, and turn into something else. Like, like they took the, the word anarchist or libertarian and, and turn it into something else. Um, so, I, but I, I obviously, as I became uh, more comfortable uh, working with uh, the libertarians and, and become developing, a, a, realizing that I had such a base in the libertarian party, and realizing that um, I could gain some traction there and support, um, you know, I, I had to move move forward with that. I, I, had to, I had to go with that. And uh, so here we are. And, and so I found myself, you know, running for the nomination, really actively uh, pushing mutual aid and love and compassion as uh, valuable uh, values that we needed to embrace as a party and as a society and as a culture. And uh, so it, my transformation has been very interesting. Yeah. I, I, it almost became a new character, you know, serious vermin. I mean, trying to find the balance of humor and uh, serious, you know, because in these debates, I, I took place in dozens of debates with like dozens of candidates, uh, libertarian candidates seeking the nomination. And, um, you know, you, you've number one, you know, you have to talk, uh, you have to know the stuff, you have to uh, speak about it convincingly, you have to be targeting it to that audience who are trying to choose you, but you're also trying to reach out to the broader audience. Uh, of course, I'm trying to find this balance of, of funny, humor, and serious, and you have to talk, uh, you know, uh, put it out in, a, in a, an authoritative manner. You have to talk as if, though, yeah that is the way it is and you have to and they should accept it because you're saying it and so i would find myself sometimes talking out of my ass trying to make all those things happen uh, so it was very interesting you know normally you know if i'm just talking if it's an interview or podcast you ask me something my opinion my opinion i'll tell you my opinion but you know where when you're in the debate situation you're trying to present you know dogma and the and the, the final word and like that. So it was just a very interesting dynamic. I mean, I'm not a pundit. 
I, you know, I don't think my opinions are more important than anyone else's. And I think, of course, that's a, a problem in our society right now because people hold their opinions so tight, like they're their sports teams and they get really worked up about them and all that and aren't open to other people of different sports teams. <laughs> um, so that there, there's that. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot going on, man. There's a, there's a lot going on. Whoa. <laughs> I love I love the beard. You've got a magnificent beard. How long uh, how long have you had that for? Well, it's been on my face. I mean, I, I uh my I, they run in my family. My, my dad had a beard and, and I inherited it from him. And um okay. I, I suppose really my, my senior class high school picture was the last time I really had a clean shaven face. Um and it's been you know, I've had facial hair ever since uh you know i've, I've trimmed it down uh, over the years as i said in, in 08 it was cropped pretty tight because i was uh presenting as a as a fundamentalist yeah, yes as vote vote jesus you know you can find some you can find some clips uh up online on the youtube if you type in vote jesus and vermin supreme uh you can see me uh you know, uh, with a with a good haircut and a, a good suit and a cropped beard, um, and uh, we're, we're going to release that movie eventually. I, I it's been it, it was a great movie to make. It was a lot of fun. It was before religious. It was before Jesus Camp. It was before uh, right wing fundamentalist uh, documentaries or mockumentaries were a a, a a genre even. And Vic David, uh, who had made a movie called uh, In Search of the Mole People. Um, had this idea of like this uh, undercover sort of mockumentary expose of, of the uh, religious fundamentalist right. And um, at the time I was working with the uh, Glass Bead Collective, uh, a media collective uh, that spun out of the indie media movement. Uh, and we did some work together uh, in, in that, in those, uh, those years uh, at the RNC and uh, different events. And uh, so it, we, we got connected and uh, we, agreed to start making this movie and we spent five years uh attending all these different uh fundamentalist events from the billy graham crusade uh to uh the grand opening of the creation museum uh to a creationist conference at liberty university i got to sit sit down i sat down and interviewed jerry falwell senior i uh, sat down and interviewed ken ham um we attended a um anti a teen abstinence anti-masturbation rally at the philly spectrum where all these kids like the whole stadium full of teenagers are getting all worked up to all this rock and roll music which was all like jesus music all sorts of different genres and (laughs) they had the like these uh marines for jesus drop from the ceiling firing off automatic uh, weapons shooting blanks and shit it was very intense and um (laughs) So, you know, we, 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 I spent a day hanging out with the Westboro Baptist Church um, and Shirley Phelps and her kids. Uh, so yeah. we just, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, I had to, like, be this, per, you know, it was really acting. I, I'd never really acted, but I, I had to really act in order that we didn't get our asses kicked. Uh, because we were presenting as well, yes, I'm Ken Stevenson, and uh, we're making this uh, documentary. You know, we're gearing it. To, we want it's from it's faith based, but we were we want to show the uh, the secular. So what is it? It's like uh, we went to the uh, the voter value summit. Um, oh shit! It was and and I had to like really uh, pr- be this 
character and uh, be the backstory. You know, it, it was it was before Borat. It was definitely a, a proto uh, Borat type of thing. It was different from a uh, religious in that, uh, whereas Bill Maher is just sort of you know spending the time dumping on people and shitting on them. Uh, I really let them talk and say terrible things. And uh, we were so excited. Like, we're, I'm doing an interview. It's like, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. Of course, I'm like. Um, and it's like, if you don't believe, you're going to hell. And we're like, yes, score. Exterior, like, yes, of course. But <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, agreed. Uh. <laughs> It was it was a trip, man. It was definitely a, a it was a full on experience. I feel like um, you've I would say you've paved the way for Donald Trump. I mean, I'd say you're like like you said earlier, you're the the first Borat. I feel like you've paved the way for Donald Trump. Do you feel there, like he there, there, there is there is that video uh, in the last cycle? There was a a, a viral little video of uh, it's titled that Vermin Spring paved the way for Donald Trump. And I made the claim and I made the argument that, you know, I opened it up for ridiculousness in politics. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's really true, but I definitely made that full on claim. If you type in that phrase, you will see the, uh, see the uh, clip. Um, sure. And so, yeah, there's a little bit of media manipulation involved. Um, it took me many years uh, to get past the editors, of course. Um but nonetheless, I always took playing to the media workers as, uh, you know, a very smart uh, move. You know, I knew they were very important and influential. And maybe they, they I figured they would probably be sharing clips with their friends or at the Christmas party or or things like that. Um, but over the years, it really paid off because a lot of these uh, uh, media professionals uh, follow the campaign trail year after year after year. Um, and, uh, you know at the at the um the deplorable uh during the trump uh, inauguration uh we were at this event we were outside this event and uh and up and in in walks um they're they're walking into the event we're outside the event obviously and there's sean hannity with uh geraldo oh, and 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 I and, and we're and people are yelling and, and cackling and i have my bullhorn it's like geraldo show us your ass and and for some for some reason, Sean Hannity looks over and decides that he knows who I am. He wants to come and meet me. So he comes over to me and there's this table with these metal detecting wands and security things. And so he offers me his hand. I shake Sean Hannity's hand, firm hand grip. Uh, he's solid. He's tall. So he's like. And so, okay, I, I I did that. And then Geraldo puts, offers his hand. So I grab his hand and then I go yoink. And I pulled him over a fucking table. <laughs> and once again, I, I didn't know I was going to do that. And it was just so improv and just so of the moment. And uh, there's video of that one too, that you can uh, track down. I think on Facebook's the best version. Um, and because I am me, I have this incredible license to do things that normal people can't do or shouldn't do. It, it, I, I can do things that are not a good idea at all. Uh, but there is this caveat that I do have limits that I, yeah. you know, that I don't go 
super over the top. And, 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 and most people who, a lot of the authority figures, uh, cops or uh, secure campaign security, whatever, you know, they have an idea of, you know, what my limits are. And so I don't become this real physical danger threat. I become this, Oh God, here comes Vermin Supreme fucking <laughs> mild headache. <coughs> You're just having fun. What was that? You're just having fun. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think fun is a very important thing to have in this day and age. I think humor is a, a very important thing to uh, express. And uh, yeah, and and it can, and it's, and it, and it's a, a valuable and legitimate tactic when it comes to uh, presenting your ideas and used uh, effectively can uh, perhaps affect change. Um, I have found it can change reality in, in, in on a certain level um, by introducing, you know, just introducing these uh, surrealistic, uh, Dadaistic, discordian elements into reality. And you can sort of get people to play along and play along pretend because people like to pretend adults don't get the opportunity to pretend all the time. And so that's really nice when you can like get them to start thinking about ponies and playing along with ponies or zombies or whatever. Um, yeah. Ponies are cool. Um, I want to talk about pony. I've got a couple questions about ponies. I'm not a big yeah. pony guy. I don't know much about them, but, um, so if everyone's getting a free pony, uh, what happens if someone doesn't want the pony? What, what are the repercussions for that? Well, there are two types of people in this world. Those that love ponies and those that will not survive the transition times. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So the, yeah. only the, now, the, the thing to understand, of course, is, you know, Ver, a lot of people ask me, Ver, Vermin, is it true we're going to use ponies as actual currency? And I say, that would be ridiculous. Of course not. Until we can make them really, really small. Of course. Right. And I do have scientists working on that, by the way. The thing to understand about a pony-based economy, of course, is that once you have universal pony ownership, and, and you know that we'll have uh, hypoallergenic ponies and you know me mecha ponies and and uh, conversion kits for your current pets and animals uh, to make them more pony-like. I mean, the, you know, the transition times, all bets are off. Really, uh, the thing to understand is once we do have universal pony ownership, you, you own when you own something, you have equity in that. And so you have you have ownership, you have equity, and when you we have equity, then you can borrow against it. So essentially, yes, you can borrow against the equity in your pony. So we're creating the, this uh, pony-based debt, a class of pony-based debt. Now, once we've established that, then we can bring in the best, the brightest, the, the most smartest uh, attendees of all the Ivy League schools and, and other, and they will help us create extremely hard to understand, uh, opaque. Uh, financial instruments, uh, AAA pony junk bonds, uh, quantitative pony easements, things of that nature. So, uh, yes, what we are doing is creating a, a, a bubble in the economy, a, a pony debt bubble, if you will. Now, a bubble is the most incredible and amazing thing you can have in an economy at any given time. Because when you have a bubble in your economy, you know that everything is cooking all five all cylinders are firing wall street is 
speculating and making money. And, um, you know, there's money to be had. And of course, debt is very incredible. Debt's a magical thing. Debt is what makes the economy go around. Countries hold trillions of dollars of each other's debt. Uh, Wall Street is based on debt. Banks make all their money on you owing them money. It's uh, You can buy debt. You can sell that debt. Uh, it's You can discharge debt. Debt is critical. So we've got this big, giant debt-based bubble in the economy, and everything's great. And everybody's got a piece of it. And, of course, bubbles, occasionally, they burst. Well, okay, all, almost, oh, let's always say burst. Okay, fine. Um, but in that, that's a bad thing. But it, it's great when it's happening, because that's when things are happening. And so let me rest assure you this, that this particular bubble, this gigantic pony-based debt bubble in the economy is going to be reinforced and steel-belted and last forever. Thank you. I'm Vermin Supreme. I'm on board with that. Um, I liked how you touched on the hypoallergenic ponies because I'm allergic. So that really, that, thank you. That means a lot to me personally. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Uh, like I said, it, yeah. I know you talked about time travel. You're working on that. And you did say you would go back and kill baby Hitler, correct? Well, there, there, there is a long, long list of tyrants, uh, baby tyrants or tyrants, babies that grow up to be tyrants uh, that I'm... Yeah. I'm looking at. We're just uh, waiting for the proper approval through the proper channels to become uh, uh, start that process. Um, and of course, ultimately, uh, the promise. Now, I'm not promising time travel. I never really said that I'm promising you time travel. That, that would be a very hard promise to make. I'm on the record as being the only candidate who promises to fully fund time travel research now there's there's a very big difference there of course uh ultimately it, it's a boondoggle ultimately um and it it, it is a something it is a project that we can spread out across all uh manufacturing sector you know much like the drone war program what what what, the, what we've done is that you know pretty much in any town in america you'll probably find a machine shop that makes a piece of some sort of weaponry. I mean, you have that jet that doesn't even fly or whatever. And yet, and yet because that it becomes part of this employment program, whereby the taxpayers are subsidizing the military industrial complex and the military um, manufacturers and the defense contractors who are subcontracting to every damn little rinky dink uh, machine shop that they can just to spread it out. So and there's, there's a high stakes in, and of course, these are the politicians prerogative. You know, they go to DC to bring home the bacon, bring home the pork. What's in it for me? Oh, I'm creating jobs. I'm bringing jobs to my community. But what they're actually doing is redeploying uh, the taxpayers in their community's money that's going to DC, the military, the Pentagon, and then being reproportioned back out in the form of wages, creating these weapons of death and destruction. It's, it's quite a, a scam, quite frankly. And um, so that's what I'm trying to do with the time travel thing. It won't kill so many people. Right. Understandable. Now you're on record as going against nuclear weapons, correct? Um. I will admit that early on, one of my uh, initial uh, proposals was uh, nuclear disarmament through deployment. Um, of course, uh, my positions have evolved since that time. <laughs> um, in real world, uh, the global nu uh, the global 
peace march for global nuclear disarmament. The great peace march for global nuclear disarmament in 86 uh, was an anti-nuclear weapons protest, a uh, mobile uh, community that crossed America uh, from L.A. to D.C. And uh, it was what I found in Baltimore uh, at the right time uh, at that moment uh, in my life uh, that I was inspired uh, to join that uh, particular form of activism, which was uh, creating a physical moving uh, protest, if you will. And um, so my first uh, several years were actively active in the uh, anti-nuclear weapons uh, movement. Uh, I spent a lot of time out at the uh, nuclear test site uh, yearly, uh, protesting the nuclear weapons there with uh, thousands of other people. Uh, back in the early 90s, uh, there was massive civil disobedience with literally thousands of people getting arrested and rearrested out there, out in the middle of the desert. In fact, that's where I first ran into uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, a.k.a. Barrett, uh, Borat. At that time, he was uh, portraying Ali G. And he was out there to make fun of the hippies protesting the nuclear weapons. And... Um, he went up to one of my friends and got him to agree to get arrested, uh, do civil disobedience for the BBC, of course, um, which was no lie, I guess. And, uh, and my friend agreed to do that, although the action was technically over. And so my friend found out that his ride was leaving, so he could not keep his commitment to Ali G to get arrested. And Ali G called him a chicken. Of course, that that's his thing, you know, having fun with people. And uh, and when I heard this, it, it pissed me off. And I said, this guy's an asshole and I'm going to chase him off my lot. And so I saw him. He was walking by and I saw him. And the, there's my friend that he had called a chicken. And and to save my friend the trouble of having to deal with his asshole, I walked up. I dropped my pants. And my underwear. And I was. And so that, that was my opening maneuver. I, I, I dropped my fucking pants down around my ankles and I, I made it clear uh, that I was not going to sign a release, that this was not for his television program, that I just wanted to speak to him. And I began to uh, ream him very hard. I, be, I reamed his entire film crew that were, you know, they were these khaki dressed clowns. Uh, because they came in, you know, we offered the, you know, they, they had their scouts out the day before. I offered to do, had, for them to do interviews with some of the native elders with the Western Shoshone, whose uh, land rights we were, we were also uh, trying to uh, get because they, they have claim to the actual uh, test site land through the Treaty of Ruby Ridge and, and all this. But they weren't interested. And, and so they just showed up the next day with, with this foolishness. But, you know, nothing against. I, I love his work, of course. And um, so then I proceeded to get uh ream him from the the bottom of his hip-hop shoes to the top of his hi uh, sweatshop hip-hop uh uh hat to the to his uh slave you know his gold digging uh, gold shape of africa ring and and i was just like tearing into him and then when i had my fill of that i stepped away a few steps and uh, i said hey ali g why don't you come over here away from your cameras I just want to have a word with you. I just want to talk with you, not on camera. Just come on over here. And he would not do that. And so I turned to him and I said, oh, what are you? Chicken. And went after him. And and then to my chagrin, 
And this is after repeatedly, you know, with uh, claim, say, telling him clearly that this was not for broadcast. I was not cooperating. I was not signing a release form. Uh, they used uh, some of it in uh, in his series. And so we tried to uh, we, we put together a lawsuit, which was a, a nowhere lawsuit because we knew it, so little, it wasn't frivolous, but um, we understood it was it was a, a little bit of a dog because, you know, it, test site, uh, you know, BLM land, public land. And, and the, you know, I'm a public figure that they, they did spend a lot of money on lawyers and um, and we did get some publicity out of it. But that was my run in. If, if, you, if you type in Ali G and Vermin Supreme, that's what comes up. Really it's a celebrity. Celebrity feud, that motherfucker. But if I run into him ahead, and of course, I'm so glad I didn't know who he was. Otherwise, I would have kissed his ass, right? Oh, Ali G, I love your stuff. But no, it's like, yo, fuck you, you asshole. <laughs> because it's always funnier when you take the character at face value. And it's true of me when I'm in character. And it's just so much funnier uh, as opposed to like, you know, me all breaking down the fourth wall or whatever. But. <laughs> What are you going to do? Exactly. Um, how do you feel about Kanye running for president? Do you feel like he stole some thunder from you? Or? Uh, not, not for me. No, 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 no. I mean, uh, you know, America loves that celebrity stuff. Uh, celebrities have been running uh, for president as stunts forever. Uh, it's a publicity thing that, that uh, people do. You know, everybody runs for different reasons. Uh, a lot of people run to increase their book sales, uh, to increase their speaking fees, uh, just to increase their visibility. And, and once again, you know, th these are all that good reasons. I mean, running for president is a, is a platform. Running for any office is a platform. Uh, I, I encourage it. It's a, a part of our Vermin Supreme Institute is a disrupt the vote, which is a project where we uh, offer uh, assistance and advice uh, and counsel to non-duopoly uh, candidates. And uh, uh, it, we've been working with about uh, eight or nine candidates th this election cycle, uh, a woman running for uh, sheriff down in Texas, uh, a gentleman, Adam Carbone, who was running for a, a mayor of Cranston, Rhode Island, who showed up at the debate dressed up like a hot dog um, and singing the, the uh, spelling out the words Cranston, Rhode Island to the Oscar Mayer theme song. <laughs> my city has a first name. It's C-R-A-N-S-T-O-N. My city has a second name. It's R-H-O-D-E-I-S-L-A-N. <laughs> um, uh, no, not all the candidates uh, do use those tactics, but you know, it, why, you know, we, we, we do not discourage them either. And uh, speaking of books, of course, uh, this is my book, I Pony Blueprint for a New America. Um, it is a book about the future long after a vermin supreme presidency, when everybody has their pony, when uh, zombie power fuels the nation. When the secret dental police have set up checkpoints every couple hundred yards, it is a warning from the people of the future to you, to the people of their past, your present, that Vermin Supreme is a madman and must be stopped. I'm still voting for you. And uh, oh, thank you. And uh, so, yeah, check this out. That's available at iponybook.com on the internet. And I think there's some copies available through our merch uh, store at Vermin Supreme 
com, which is still an active site because that's still my name. It's still the year. And uh, I am running for the uh, writing campaign, a sort of semi-pretend campaign for uh, Senate of Massachusetts as a libertarian. Um, it was pretty funny. Uh, a friend of mine, a couple of weeks before the election, uh, got his vote, his uh, absentee ballot uh, for the Libertarian Party. It was completely blank uh, because they, uh, the Libertarian Party didn't qualify anybody for the uh, race, which would have required like five or 10,000 signatures. And so the state of Massachusetts was mailing out these blank ballots. And uh, so he wrote my name in every slot. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm I guess I'm having a writing campaign. And we had 10 day lead time. And I figured, well, I bet I can get more people to write me in than anybody else. And and I did. And I did. And I won that. I won that primary, but not enough votes to roll me over to the general. So now it's like, eh, I don't I really have the resources or time to, to make it a real thing. But uh, technically, it allows me to still raise money and spend money. Or I didn't know what it allows me. You know, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I so I still have bumper stickers, Vermin Supreme 2020 bumper stickers, which are still good because that's my name and that's this year. Um, the other thing, of course, you should check out VerminSupremeInstitute.com uh, because when I did not obtain the nomination of the Libertarian Party, uh, which the, went to Joe Jorgensen, the current candidate uh, who's on all 50 state ballots, although we did have some success because Vike, uh, Spike Cohen, my VP pick, ended up being her VP candidate, not necessarily of choice, but the delegates uh, gave him that role. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the success we had this year in the Libertarian Party, really pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, we got we made it to the final ballot. We, we do ranked choice voting. So at the National Convention, which was online, um, it went through four ballots before the, the winner was selected. I ended up with 20 percent, a little over 20 percent of the total of over a thousand delegates. So that was 200 delegates. So I've got support. We're, we're going to, and, and when we, you know, I don't want to promise only about 24 because I will say it was a, uh, it was a lot of work. It was a pain in the ass a lot of times. Um, and I, I really have to weigh what really whether whether it was worth the trouble, you know, I had to put up with a lot of, uh, uh, slander and, and attacks online, which is, you know, par for the course. Um, I, I've, I've managed to get quite a few online detractors over the years. Uh, as much as I always love to think everybody loves vermin, it's not totally true. Or, 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 or what I found is they like what I do, but they hate my politics. I like you both. I, 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 if you run in 2024, uh, the Plunge Podcast and Justified will be the first ones to give you our endorsement. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I will run way, one way or another. You know, It will be either a pretend run or a real run. The pretend runs are so much yeah. easier. I mean, I throw my thousand bucks down up in New Hampshire. I mean, in 2012, I came in third place on the primary ballot, the Democrat ballot. Uh, in 2016, I came in fourth on the Democratic ballot, uh, getting more votes than a Republican governor on the other side. I mean, success. Yeah, that's 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 not little stuff either. That's a that's an accomplishment right there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's respectable. It's, 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 uh, you know, and I, I I am, and I think the, you know, once again, the the only reason I've attained this level is that I never stopped doing it. 
you know, if I had to stop doing it, it would be like, oh yeah, that guy, he did that thing. That was really funny. And it, it would be in the past, but because it's so easy, it's so much fun because people really like it so much. And, and I've parlayed it into this minor thing. Um, yeah, I, I can't stop. It's uh, it continues. I like it. I enjoy it. Everybody's got to have a hobby. I am on Cameo. I'm going to start plugging shit while I'm here. You should also check me out on Cameo. You know, Cameo is that uh, deal where you can hire uh, people to say stuff for you online. And uh, you can go to Cameo.com slash Vermin Supreme. Uh, that, and you can, like, for 25 bucks, you can make me say things. I, it's a pretty fun thing. I've uh, sung happy birthday to people. I've given uh, life advice to all ages. Uh, I uh, sang the uh, the WAP song. I uh, recited the uh, uh, Navy SEAL copy pasta. Um, I, I consoled yeah. some guy. His dog passed away, and he hired me to make him laugh. I mean, talk about pressure, right? Um, so, yeah, Cameo.com. It's it's the perfect gift for everybody on your shopping list. Vermin Supreme going, hey, kids, blah! And if you act now, you get a full, you get a free spit take. Free spit take. Oh, yeah, spit take. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, right. but, you know, it's it's comedy. People love the spit take. Uh, people pay a lot of money for spit takes. Ch- check out um, uh, uh, Let This Podcast Run Your Life. That's a podcast put on by Team Supreme. Oh, uh, the Vermin Supreme Institute. It's a spinoff of, from the campaign. Essentially, when we did not get the nomination, uh, we had developed a really good crew. People who worked together really well. People who enjoyed uh, working on this type of messaging. And uh, so we needed to figure out a, an outlet, a way to continue it. And we decided to add the word Institute uh, to my name. And it made something totally legit. And we are a totally legitimate organization. We're a 501C4. Uh, and um, we have initiatives. And uh, we are trying to initiate stuff. And we're trying to institute stuff. Right. right. So that's, that's very, very exciting. Very exciting right. stuff. I love it. I love. Well, Vermin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in 2020. Um, and 2024. And 2024. Oh, thank you. Well, the beauty of it is that, you know, I've already won. But let's face it. You know, I mean, uh, I have total victory. Um, you know, I the, the, uh, the, the metrics that I use for su- success are different from uh, others. And I try and d- define my success uh, in a way that I am successful. And I, I highly suggest that uh, everybody try that. You know, it's it's not lowering uh, your goals, but it, but it's making you know the step by steps obtainable. You know, it's yeah. like yes, by by mo- all, most all metrics. You know, I, I have achieved what I set out to do, even though I did not know what I set out to do at all when I set out to do it. <laughs> um, so there's all those things. Uh, you uh, check out my uh, YouTube uh, page, Vermin Supreme. Uh, it's it's Vermin Supreme. Check out some of those campaign commercials from this year. They are inspirational. They are amazing, um, and they, they will in, inspire. Uh, let's see, Vermin Supreme for president on Facebook, blue check mark uh, at Vermin Supreme on Twitter, at the real Vermin Supreme uh, on TikTok, where I'm a TikTok star. Uh, who, TikToker. Who, there you go. I, there are like about. Four million hits on the Vermin Supreme uh, hashtags. It's it's crazy. Oh man! I mean, I, yeah, no, I I only jo- I only got an account when I realized I was going viral and become famous on it. It's like I am the voice of a new generation. You are. You're getting up through these youngins <laughs> now. All right. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> well, Vermin, oh, thank yeah. you so much for joining us and good luck yep. in everything going forward. Thank you so much and uh, have a, have a great time. And uh, when things get up and running again, I, I'll, I'll, we'll make it up to New Hampshire for sure. And uh, um, have a great day. Okay. Remember, remember together we will ride our ponies into a zombie powered future. <laughs>